Brian Barnett is just a regular guy. He's not a doctor. He has no legal license in any field of mental or emotional health. Brian Barnett merely shares the insights he's gained from his personal experiences for anybody who may choose to use such information as he or she personally chooses, while accepting full responsibility for his or her own individual thoughts, feelings, behaviors, and actions. Brian Barnett assumes no responsibility whatsoever for anybody's individual choice to expose himself or herself to any information that Brian Barnett shares. And by listening to this program, you're acknowledging that you, and only you, are responsible for your own thoughts, feelings, and actions. Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome back to The Last Symptom Podcast. I'm Brian Barnett, the creator and host of The Last Symptom. It's 19 kajillion, bazillion degrees here today, and it's been this way for about the past week. Hotter than a devil's nutsack, you might say. Everybody in their right mind, myself included, has been staying pretty close to the air conditioning whenever possible. I hope that uh, wherever you are, it's cooler, or at least uh, if you're in a place where it's just sweltering all the time, I hope you enjoy that sort of weather. In last week's episode, at the top of the show, I teased Jinzal with a story of a big mistake I made here recently, and I told you I was going to tell you about that story and how I handled the situation, what it all meant, and all that stuff, and uh, and then I stood you up. At the end of the show, I never gave you the story. Well, as a matter of fact, I did, I did record that story last week. I recorded the whole thing. Uh, what happened was that when I went to edit the show, the material that mattered most for last week already went an hour. And so with that story in there, the show would have gone over time. It would have gone into like an hour, 20 minutes, hour, 25 minutes, something like that territory. So I chopped her down. I like to to keep these shows right at about an hour whenever possible. So what I decided to do was just to take that, that whole story. It was already recorded and everything and, and just bring it into this week. So that's what I'm going to do. We're going to talk about that here in a little bit, but we've got some other things to talk about. What will happen is that about 30 minutes into the show, 40 minutes into the show, all of a sudden you're going to see everything change. My, sh- my shirt's going to change. I'm going to look younger and more attractive because that'll be me from last week. And then that will close out the show. Um, I might record a little thing just to say goodbye before before we do that. Before I get into the big story about my big mistake, what it means, and how I handled the whole thing, let's do the announcements. That way they're out of the way, and then we don't have to worry about them again until next week. And just like last week, I'm going to keep it nice and brief. TheLastSymptom.com. That's my website full of free and paid resources that uh, I hope you'll run over and check out. Go into the free resources tab over there at thelastsymptom.com. See if there's anything that I offer, any resources that I offer there. For example, our social media, you know, our private social media group. Maybe that's something that's right down your alley. Um, 
And then be sure to do the same thing with the paid services tab. It's those paid services that uh, continue to support my work and allow me to do this week after week, now going on four years. And so uh, there's some really nice resources in there. might be good for you or somebody that you care about. And that's it. I told you I was going to keep her nice and sweet and brief, right? Let's talk about people not thinking. Not thinking. Because science makes them dumber. Yes, you heard me correctly. Science makes most people dumber. Now, that's not necessarily true because science is only as good as it can be in the hands of the person with the proper insight, the proper intelligence, and those sorts of things. But I'm just saying it that way because it's easy. Science makes people people dumber. I'll tell you why that is. It's because people, many people, put so much emphasis and authority on quote-unquote science that they then believe that no thinking is required on their part once science has claimed a thing. You can almost predict with certainty when you've run into a person like this because they begin their arguments with science has proven, research has shown, or the results of such and such a study say dot dot dot. Now, is there anything wrong with those things on their own? No, but you're going to see why it's bad in the in the wrong hands. Why why that sort of thinking and reasoning is bad when it's coming from the mouth of the wrong type of person. It's a real problem in my line of work. And uh, if you think that I'm criticizing you, you, those of you who have come, uh, searched me out, and found me because you're genuinely interested in emotional self-improvement or authentic recovery from an emotional disorder, no, I'm not, you're not the type of people I'm referring to. You're not the type of people I'm referring to that are unable to think. Because I can say pretty proudly that you all are truly taking time to carefully think and sort things out, see bigger pictures, put things into context, and so forth. Especially those of you who are who have searched me out uh, out of a genuine need, your sincerity is overwhelming. And I just want to mention that. No, the people I'm talking about are the so-called intellectuals who love to come out of the woodwork and aggravate me from time to time. They're scientists, experts, licensed therapists, professional psychologists, and so forth. So, if you're ever feeling insecure or less than these people, remember that I, Brian Barnett, told you that you demonstrate a better ability to think than a lot of them do. It's true. And I'm going to give you a specific real-life example of this here today. Earlier this week, on the uh, Last Symptom Instagram channel, I posted the following meme, which is simply a quote one of my own quotes and it's taken from season 2 episode 41 of this show 
Please listen closely as I quote myself and to the meaning of this meme. It goes like this. Literally anybody walking around with the same perceptions that you live with would interpret experiences similarly and therefore feel natural resultant similar emotions in the same intensities and the same manner as you do. So it's not your emotions or how they operate that are the problem. There is no such thing as some people's emotions being less stable, quote-unquote, than anybody else's emotions. There is no such thing as that. The quote goes on. If anybody perceived an experience through the same understanding and the same filter that you do, which causes you to fly off the handle or get sad or experience jealousy, they also would fly off the handle or get sad or experience jealousy. It's your perceptions that are the issue, not your feelings. All right, so that was the meme. In response to this meme, which is absolutely states the indisputable truth, somebody who I'm assuming is a therapist or a psychologist replied this way. She said, it's both. Research has shown, oh, there we go, research has shown increased emotions in a BPD brain, so uh, don't even get me started on how she's equating the disorder you have as being the same as what you are and who you are. You're a BPD. But let's not get off on a tangent there. She says, research has shown increased emotions in a BPD brain exposed to the same stimulus as a normal brain. When I had to type this out, that quote out, for my outline, I swear it was excruciating for me because it's such an overwhelmingly stupid statement, shows such an astonishing inability to think, wrapped up in this veneer of fake intelligence, that it makes me mad. It really does. I feel an overwhelming resentment that this person is putting on this show of intelligence, while in reality being so lazy and so dumb that I have to take out time out of my life to explain to her why her comment is completely devoid of value and substance. It, it, it aggravates me. But I reckon there's going to be some good for other people, so I'm going to do it anyway. Do you remember her statement? Research has shown increased emotions in a BPD brain when exposed to the same stimulus as a normal brain. So what is important to her? What, what is this study? What is important in this study, according to her? The difference in feelings and the stimulus, right? So <clears throat> let's talk about that. 
Let's take a moment to imagine this research study she's talking about being carried out, okay? Imagine that you are in a room with five other people and some doctors or scientists come in, they, they hook all of the electrodes up to you and they hook up all these electrodes up to everybody else in the room. Got it? Now you're in this room, you're hooked up to all these electrodes, so are five other people. Then they show you and these five other people a picture of a dinosaur. Yeah, a dinosaur. And, and then when they show you this picture of the dinosaur, they measure your emotional response, the intensities of your emotional response, the areas of your brain that are lighting up and those sorts of things. Can you imagine that scene pretty good? Well, now let me ask you this. In this study going on, where you're in a room with five other strangers, and they're showing you all the same picture of a dinosaur, what is the most important, most relevant component of any test like this? Think about it real hard. What is the most important component of this entire test? Let me ask it this way. Is the most important component of this test, of you being in this room, hooked up to electrodes, seeing a picture of a dinosaur with five other people, is the most important component of this test, the thing that is the most relevant to the outcome, A, the type of dinosaur they show everybody, or B, your personal, unique, individual perspectives toward dinosaurs. What's the, what is the thing, what is the component of the test that is the only relevant part of the entire test? The picture, the type of picture of, of a dinosaur that they show you? The class of dinosaur, the, the subspecies of dinosaur, is that what matters? Do, does how your feelings react even matter? If they, need a, if they need something to contrast that with. Or is it B, your personal, unique, individual perspectives toward dinosaurs? I think you see where this is going. What if I grew up hating dinosaurs and being scared to death of them? Scared to death of dinosaurs. And what if the guy next to me, participating in the same study, grew up loving dinosaurs? Are you telling me that what is relevant here is the picture of the dinosaur? The picture that they showed us, the scientists. That's really the key to understanding my emotional response in contrast to his emotional response, the picture of the dinosaur matters more than the differences in perspective that I have towards dinosaurs compared to the guy sitting next to me? Is that what they would have us believe? Yes, yes, that is what they would have us believe. That is exactly what the person who commented on my meme would have you believe. That emotions are this magical thing 
that function in, independent of my perspectives. So when I see a picture of a dinosaur and the ele electrodes stuck all over my forehead start firing like crazy, this is just some spontaneous magical thing. It just happens. Emotions just magically come into being. And then they look at the guy sitting next to me and they see that his emotions are behaving differently and in different intensities. And what's the conclusion? The conclusions, the conclusion is that my emotions behave differently than that guy. What if I go away for a year? And in that time, I've started studying dinosaurs. Yeah, I just, I got curious about them after that study, after they stuck electrodes all over my forehead and stuff. Now I'm curious about dinosaurs. I start researching them, looking into them. And my hate and fear of dinosaurs falls away. And with my education, as I learn more about dinosaurs, I actually fall in love with them. And my whole house now is decorated in dinosaur posters and dinosaur coffee cups and bedspreads. And I have this understanding and knowledge of dinosaurs now that I did not have a year ago. Completely different understanding and, and concept of dinosaurs now than a year ago. Remember what happened a year ago? Yeah, that was when those uh, Brainiac dopes tested me and come to their conclusions. So now I go back to the Brainiac dopes and they test me again. Now, are my emotions going to behave the same way as when I was there the first time and they were showing me a picture of a dinosaur? No, my, my emotions are not going to behave the same way. They're going to behave entirely differently. And what are the scientists going to conclude then? Oh, my gosh. He must have gotten a brain transplant, right? That's the only explanation. Had to have gotten a brain transplant because his brain was not behaving that way before. His emotions were not reacting like that before. Or maybe they'll conclude that... Uh, that... Uh, the real me died, and another me appeared from an alternate, alternate dimension. Maybe that's what happened. Throw me into a, a lab and study me even more, because they say, this it can't be the same guy. It looks just like him. He must have come from an alternate dimension because his feelings are behaving differently than they, are, they did the last time we showed him pictures of dinosaurs. What I'm illustrating for you here is the inability of lots of people to think once you inject quote-unquote science into the conversation. Because too many people think that quote science quote-unquote studies is the exact equivalent of being smart or of being able to think critically or of possessing insight. Quoting science study results is not the equivalent of any of those things. So, let me read her statement again. The statement that this person posted on my meme who says, you know what, science says, science says. And this guy, he's telling me something that, that science, uh, my understanding of the results of a scientific study disagree with, so I'm not even going to think it through. 
not even going to think it through. I'm just going to throw out science there to speak for me and to argue for me. And what can he do then? What, what argument is he going to have in the face of the results of a scientific study? I don't have to think. I don't have to use any critical thought. Science says. So here's her statement again. Research has shown increased emotions in a BPD brain exposed to the same stimulus as a quote-unquote normal brain. Why is this statement just a flapping of lips? Just flapping lips completely devoid of substance. Because it says absolutely nothing intelligent at all. It insinuates, it insinuates very strongly that there is a malfunction in people with borderline personality disorder or in people with emotional disorders. Their emotions function differently. Um, There's a, a channel on YouTube that I watch a lot. It's these behavioral experts. I think it's called the behavioral, the behavior panel or something like that. Highly recommend their YouTube channel. You know, I don't give a lot of shout outs, but I do recommend them. But even them, and with all the admiration I have for them, as smart as they are, and they are very intelligent and brilliant in their analysis of people's behavior, but even they, it's astonishing to me, get this wrong. Uh, constantly, they talk, for example, when the, the Amber Heard thing was on TV or YouTube, um, they would do an analysis of, of Amber Heard, and they would talk about her emotional disorders and stuff like that, and they would say, studies have shown, <laughs> science has shown, scientific studies have shown, her feelings operate this way. Well, I'm telling you, again, nobody's feelings operate any differently than anybody else's feelings. And it's astonishing to me that they can't get that right. What, what is it that I said is the only relevant component into a person, one person's beha- uh, feelings behaving differently than another person's uh, feelings? Perspectives. Whatever your perspectives are determine the way that your feelings act. It's, that is the only relevant component. And four of these guys on the behavior panel among the four of them, all of them geniuses, cannot figure that out. I, I reckon the only reason that I've figured it out is because I once had borderline personality disorder, and now I don't. And I know the things that changed. I know it from a personal, intimate place. And, um, you know, these folks are just reading it from a book. But still, logically, even rationally, if you give it some critical thought... It's blindingly obvious that the only relevant component is the perspectives that a person is observing a thing with. I'll give you some examples here in a minute. But this lady who posted this, research has shown, science says, on the meme, that statement says nothing intelligent at all. It says that somebody with B... Uh, here's what it says. It says that somebody with BPD will have emotions that behave differently than that of another person when exposed to the same thing. That's what it says. Now, why is that complete idiocy? I'll tell you why. Because that's true for every 
two people who are exposed to the same thing. Do you think that my little girl, when, when she and I sit down, she's, she just turned seven, do you think that when she and I sit down to watch Jaws, the movie, Jaws, do you think that she and I are going to experience the same feelings in the same intensities watching Jaws? Why or why not? It's pretty obvious, isn't it? Why is she more scared of the movie than I am? Is it because my feelings function differently than her feelings function? Like, inherently, her feelings operate in an entirely different way than mine do? Or they behave in an entirely different way than mine do? No. Her feelings aren't malfunctioning. And her feelings aren't operating or functioning in any way, in any way whatsoever that, are, that is different than my feelings. So you know the answer. What is the only relevant component in this example and in all examples that were given? The differences between my perspectives, the perspectives I live with as a middle-aged man compared to the perspectives that my daughter lives with as a child, a female child. That is the only relevant component whatsoever. Now, let's read my original meme again that the uh, Brainiac was replying to. I said, literally anybody walking around with the same perceptions that you live with would interpret experiences similarly. That's another word I can't say. It's like regularly. <sighs> let's try it again. Literally, anybody walking around with the same perceptions that you live with would interpret experiences similarly and therefore feel naturally resultant similar emotions in the same intensities and the same manner as you do. So it is not your emotions or how they operate that are the problem. It is your perceptions. Do you know, let me ask you this question, folks. Do you know how to take people, how to take a bunch of people who share identical life experiences, identical attitudes, identical memories, identical biases, identical fears and strengths at identical stages of growth, and identical maturity, identical education, and identical thinking, and identical cultures and backgrounds, and then test them to see if their emotional responses are identical in identical circumstances? Do you know how you achieve that? You don't. You don't. There is no such thing as creating that sort of groundwork for a test because there are no two individuals who have ever lived who are perfect clones and identical in every regard. So is it possible 
that there has ever been a test created by scientists, no matter how brilliant they are, that demonstrate one person's emotions behaving differently than another person's feelings behave. No. Period. Period. And there never will be. Furthermore, feelings aren't some magical thing inside of our bodies that just engage or disengage all on their own, independent of our thoughts. What are perspectives? What are the perspectives we live with? They are just thoughts. What did I say is the only relevant component distinguishing one person's feelings from another person's feelings? Perspectives. Thoughts are the same thing. Thoughts, perspectives, attitudes, they're all just thoughts. That is the truth. There is no getting around it. It's the only relevant component to the entire puzzle. And so I say it again. There is no such thing as some people's emotions being less quote-unquote stable than anybody else's emotions. There is no such thing as one human being's emotions behaving distinctly from how all people's feelings behave. No such thing. It is a flat-out myth, and it is a lie being told by people who are unable and unwilling to think critically, people who are devoid of insight, and with a foolish, blind, fanatical faith in scientists to the point that they allow them, them, the scientists, other people, to do all of their reasoning and talking and thinking for them. They're unable. I'm not saying they're incapable. I'm saying they're unable because they're not willing. They're blind, dogmatic, fanatical. It's like a religious fanaticism that they have towards scientists. Uh, blind them, uh, what this allows, that, that blind fanaticism, that worshiping of scientists and science, uh, disallows them to question the, re- the interpretation of certain results. In every circumstance, every circumstance, even if you're totally insane, think about this, even if you're totally insane, the only difference between you and me and the way our feelings operate or function are our perspectives. Yes. Has nothing to do with the way our feelings function inside of us. It's our perspective still. Even if you're totally bat crap crazy. Even if I'm totally insane and I'm hearing voices and I'm seeing dead people and I'm, you know, hands are reaching out of the wall and stuff like that. Even if I'm totally insane, my feelings are still only being determined by my perspectives of the time, right? That While I'm in that hallucination, let's say on drugs, all right? Even if you're totally drugged out of your mind, your feelings are still only behaving in conformity with whatever your perspectives are in that drugged out state. See, even my dog agrees with me. 
How about emotional disorders? So emotional disorders like borderline personality disorder are not an example of insanity. has nothing to do with mental health. It's all an emotional disorder. So like borderline personality disorder, for example. How about that? Again, the only difference, the only part of that that is relevant at all is what perspectives is the person with borderline personality disorder operating with in contrast to the perspectives that I'm operating with. So if somebody comes up to me and says, hey, you're ugly and worthless, what would that do? What would my feelings do in response to that? Hey, buddy, you're ugly and you're worthless. Well, I've thought about it. And my honest answer is I think that uh, realistically it would cause me to feel humor and curiosity. Yeah, humor and curiosity. Why? What perspectives do I live with that would naturally generate humor and curiosity to somebody coming up to me out of the blue and saying, hey, you're ugly and worthless. The perspectives I live with is this, that my value as a person is inherent to what I am. Can't be granted or taken away from me. It just is a part of me. It is a part of me inherently. So the best you can do is express your personal opinion. So you come up, you can say whatever you want about me, but if it contradicts what I know to be inherently true, then it's just your opinion. And I just view it as your opinion. And because your opinion so far removed from what I know is true, that's humorous to me. Now, why am I curious? I'm curious because I'm wondering what is, what's wrong with you emotionally. Now the person who just walked up to me, I'm watching him almost like a curiosity, trying to figure out what is wrong with that person. That, that person's got some interesting things wrong with him or her. I want to let them talk for a little bit and see if I can figure it out. That's, that's how I would naturally, my feelings would naturally respond to something like that. Humorous and uh, curious. But what would a person's feelings naturally do if they have borderline personality disorder and somebody comes up to them and says, hey, you're ugly and worthless? Same situation. What would the person with borderline, what would the, the natural feelings be that a person with borderline personality disorder would most likely and naturally experience? Immediate and intense shame, anger, lashing out, depression afterwards that might last a long time, a profound stab of insecurity and embarrassment. Why? Why do the feelings of the person with borderline personality disorder behave so differently than mine? Or I mean, why are the results of what they feel so different than mine and in such greater intensities? Is it because their feelings behave differently than other people's behave, uh, feelings behave? No, it's ludicrous. That has nothing to do with anything. And you understand that now. The only relevant difference, again in the two examples, is what perspectives each of us are working with. Maybe you're wondering, well, yes, but my feelings behave in ways that they shouldn't behave in in certain situations. There is no such thing as that. 
There is no such thing as your feelings behaving the correct way or the incorrect way. You know, how many times have I told you, feelings are never right or wrong, good or bad. Whatever you're feeling in any situation just is what it is. But what is giving birth to the feelings? Your own thinking. And remember, perspectives is just thinking. Memories, just an example of thoughts. Um, Dreams, uh, also just an example of thoughts. So there is no such thing as your feelings behaving in ways they shouldn't in certain situations. But let's say, for example, that you say, my husband did something nice for me and I got furious. That doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't seem, um, it doesn't seem like the appropriate feeling in that situation. What's going on there? Well, the reason it doesn't make sense to you is because you've not yet followed that fury back to your perspectives at the time. If you're not far enough in your recovery yet that you that that you understand these sorts of things, let me tell you that um, it's very probable that the fury was born from an unconscious or a subconscious perspective that you're not even aware of. But it still comes from a, a perspective. You know, that's, that's the other thing. Our perspectives can be unconscious perspectives and they can be subconscious perspectives. I'll give you a real-life example of that. A husband told me the other day that he asked his wife, who has borderline personality disorder, and who had her hands full, she was busy with something, the day was getting long in the tooth, and the husband said he saw that the kids were probably hungry and saw that she was busy, and he thought, I want to be helpful here. Let me ask her if, if she'd like me to make sandwiches for the kids. So he, he did that. Honey, would you like me to make some sandwiches for the kids? And she threw her things down, and she said, seemingly out of nowhere into this fool and rage, she said, I'll prepare the food as soon as I'm ready. I'm working as hard as I can. Can't you see that? The scientists studying that, do you know what conclusion they'd reach if if you are to believe these fake, stupid, idiotic studies that people are always bringing up? Oh, boy, they'd love to stick some electrodes to her forehead, wouldn't they? And then what would they say? They'd say that her feelings behave differently than other people's feelings because other people... They're, they're feeling they don't fly into a rage over something like that. Very brilliant of them, isn't it? What are they leaving out? The perspectives that this wife with borderline personality disorder is interpreting that experience with. What if I sat around for 30 years telling you that you're stupid, you're worthless, you're lazy, you can't do anything right, and now you believe that about yourself? And so for another 20 years, you've been telling yourself that every day. What perspectives are you working with when I ask you if you want me to make the kids a sandwich? Do you, do you hear the question, would you like me to make the kids a sandwich? No, you don't hear a question at all. What do you hear instead? You hear an accusation. Yes, you hear an accusation. You don't even hear a question. All you hear is your husband telling you you're worthless, 
you're lazy, you're not doing your job, you're not a very good mother. It's an accusation, as happened in this case. Why was it an accusation for her, and why would another wife just turn and say, oh, honey, that's so sweet. Yes, if you don't mind, could you make them a sandwich? I'm sorry, I'm, I'm real caught up in what I'm doing. Why do the two people react differently? Because the wife who responds, oh, this is a nice thing my husband's trying to do, is not living with the same underlying subconscious or unconscious perspectives as the wife who is living with the perspectives that she's worthless and a terrible mother. In this real-life example, do you think that the wife I'm telling you about is aware that her perspectives made her hear what was not there? Made her hear what is not even there? An accusation. No. Because the perspective she's living with, the perspectives we're talking about, this foundation, is subconscious or unconscious. She hasn't even begun to do the work yet to recognize that she lives with that thinking and those perspectives. Do you see? And do you see why it's not her feelings behaving in a different way than all people's feelings behave? Listen, if, if I believed that I was worthless and, and somebody said something to me that I perceived was enforcing that idea or um, backing up that idea or amplifying that idea, do you, do you see that the, I'm already in pain? I'm already living in pain with these constant messages I'm telling myself. I'm worthless. I'm worthless. I'm terrible. And then somebody says something innocent to me. Do you see how from my perspective, I'm waiting, I'm always waiting for that message to be confirmed. And then when it is confirmed, of course my feelings are going to react that way. Now listen, think about how now that I'm healthy, how, for example, somebody come up and threaten my daughter's life. How would I react? How would I react? If somebody come up and threatened my daughter's life for real, you better believe that I would act in an exaggerated, outrageous way. I'd be biting off noses and ears and kicking, and I'd be gouging out eyeballs. But, brother, I'm telling you right now. Now, let me ask you this. Would I behave any differently if I only perceived that my daughter's life was at risk? was being threatened. Would I behave any differently? No, I would not. Whether her life is actually being threatened or not, my perceptions are so powerful that whether she is or not, if I truly perceive that that's, what, that that's the truth, I'm going to behave, I'm going to feel the same way, and I'm going to behave the same way. So when you're looking at a person who has an emotional disorder and you go, man, their feelings seem to be all over the place. They can't control their feelings and all this, all this, you know, horse papui. Keep that in mind. It doesn't make sense to you because you're not applying context. You're not sharing the same perspective. But if you were, if you were sharing that same perspective, you would understand. And it would make sense to you. And you might even feel the same way that they do. It's all about perspectives. It has nothing to do with the function of how people's feelings 
uh, operate. Like I said, I- even if you're drugged out, even if you're completely insane, your feelings still operate the exact same way that everybody else who has ever been born, the same way their feelings operate and function. The only relevant component is perspectives, no matter what these stupid, fake, scientific study results tell you. All right, on to the story I wanted to tell you about my daughter. My daughter knows that I hate it when she stuffs her mouth full of food and then just chews on it endlessly. First of all, I hate when she puts too much in there. Second thing I hate is when she just leaves it in there. Just chews on it for like five, ten minutes and walks around. She's playing, hopping around, doing different things. I hate it. And I'll tell you why I hate it. Because I have a fear of her choking. When she was an infant, I took her outside one day. It was a really nice kind of uh, early summer day. I took her out. I put a blanket down. And I thought, boy, this is going to blow her mind, these blue skies and just the wonderful temperatures outside, the smell of the grass and the trees and everything. She's going to love this. So I laid her down on this blanket, and I was playing with her and everything, but she was on her back, and I realized after a moment or two she wasn't breathing, and I freaked out. It it wasn't like she started choking or anything or made any sounds. She was there kind of like looking up at the sky and then I, I don't know what gave it away I don't know if it was that she wasn't gurgling or or making any noises or anything but she she kind of stopped moving around and, and she got this look on her face as an infant you know they don't have a lot of expressions that they demonstrate on their faces but there was an expression on her face that worried me and I are you okay honey are you okay and I realized she's she had stopped breathing and I picked her up and I started patting her back. I ran for the house, ran for a phone. And whatever, I think it was saliva or something, had gotten in the back of her neck and had stopped up her breathing. <clears throat> so she, it come out and I, I'm, as I'm holding her, I feel her start coughing and then she starts crying a lot. And I'm telling you, it scared, it scared the living daylights out of me. It was horrendously terrifying. Just that, and the whole thing lasted maybe 30 seconds. Maybe 30 seconds, 40 seconds. But it, it scared the bejesus out of me. So that was one example. It was one, that's one reason why I'm always afraid of her choking. Another reason is that uh, back when I first started learning Spanish, I had a Mexican friend named Hector. And uh, Hector told me a story. This was was when I was in my twenties, where he was by himself in his apartment and he was eating a hamburger or something, and he choked. He started choking, and I don't think people understand that when you're choking, it's not like some air is getting through. And that's not how it works. Your your air passage completely blocks. So whatever breath you had in your lungs when that happens, that's all you got. You can't call for help. You can't speak. You can't even choke out anything like, help me. You can't do it. Everything is blocked. And that happened to him. 
and he told me that he he's running around he tried to do the heimlich for himself on the back of a chair it wasn't working so he thinks boy i'm going to pass out here anytime he run out the door out into the street to try to get somebody to help him and there was nobody around and he come back in was fumbling with the phone and uh, it was he was losing this is before cell phones by the way so he falls down to the ground without even getting the phone and he realizes he's blacking out he he begins to black out and then i don't know if it was because his body relaxed or whatever because he was blacking out the food dropped <laughs> and he was able to get his breath that story has stuck with me forever and i've just thought like what 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 would i do in that situation it, you know it it's worth you for you yourself thinking about what you would do and having a plan already in mind the next story is my first wife Katrina had a little Pomeranian dog named Shoku <laughs> and uh, really loving little dog but one day she had thrown down a piece of meat I think it was a hot dog thrown down a little piece of hot dog and that dog that pomeranian these pomeranians by the way they're little tiny like toy dogs and they got the curly tail they kind of look like siberian huskies if siberian huskies got hit by a shrink ray and they're just these little tiny doll baby type dogs so she had thrown down a piece of hot dog for this pomeranian named shoku and uh the and the shoku run up and gulped down that piece of uh, hot dog Next thing you know, she she ain't breathing, choking to death. You could see her moving around, and there's no oxygen getting through her or anything. And so uh, Katrina starts screaming at me, "Do something! Do something!" I had never in my life done the the Heineken maneuver on anybody. The Heineken maneuver, by the way, is where you get up behind somebody and you squeeze them in just the right place to force out the food. But I knew the principle of the thing. I mean, I knew the principle what makes the thing work and and it's sort of like if you've got a let's say a plastic water bottle all right if you've got a plastic water bottle and it's empty and you plug up the the mouth of the water bottle with uh let's say a hot dog why not why not since we're talking about choking on hot dogs if you plug up the mouth of it with a chunk of a hot dog you get that bottle right where you know it's the most squeezable and with a a really fast and hard force all at once you just really give it to it and squeeze that well then if you do it right you'll have squeezed the air just right to it wants to escape it wants to escape out that bottle and it just shoves the the meat out of the whatever stopping up the mouth of that bottle you know so i knew that was the principle of the thing and so i picked up her little dog shoku i remember picking it up so its paws were sticking out and so i was holding it up in front of me and i was patient i wasn't freaking out or anything i was very calm but i knew i had to get this right and time was short so i just picked her up I remember feeling down her rib cage, down her chest. You know, a dog's chest comes down like this, and you get down to the soft part of the belly. And I, I got down there, and I'm just thinking, all right, where, where am I going to get the best 
force of air pressure on this little dog's body and I, I found the right spot kind of readied myself and then I went and just squeezed my hands in a very forceful quick motion and that I'm not kidding you that hot dog shot out shot out of that little dog's mouth and I swear it flew 20 feet and I put the little dog down and she ran over there and, and ate that hot dog all over again I'm not making that up I gave the Heimlich maneuver to a Pomeranian dog but you know the reason I'm going into all this is to illustrate that choking is a real thing in my life it's something that really does come up from time to time I've had experience with it it's scary it really can kill you and I've had this conversation with my daughter a hundred kajillion times she continues to stuff her face full of food and I'll catch her and I'll admonish her I want you to spit half of that out right now right now spit half of it out she'll spit half of it out and she knows she's in trouble other times it's just that she's been chewing on it for like five minutes and she's not even she's playing she's doing things she's jumping up and down or she's dancing and I say are you dancing are you are you really dancing with food in your mouth and she looks at me like oops and I say, I want you to swallow that food right now and turn the music off. So this is an ongoing thing. Now I promised you I'd tell you how I flubbed up and made a big mistake. The other night, spaghetti and meatballs. We're eating spaghetti and meatballs, and I said, um, we had been eating for a while. She and I said, uh, uh, she wanted ice cream and candy and some other things. And I said, well, I'll tell you what. I said, if you finish that one meatball, that 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 one meatball right there on your plate, then we'll yeah we'll say that you're done. She says that whole meatball. I said yes, you got to eat the whole meatball. You eat the whole meatball, and then you're done with supper, and you can have ice cream. Right? I can't remember what it was. So I turn around. I'm doing some things, and I turn back around. Her face is stuffed. These were not tiny meatballs. These were big meatballs. Albondigas. And she had stuffed the entire meatball, which is about a quarter of the size of her little head, and she had stuffed it into her mouth. And I sat there watching her in disbelief, like I cannot believe that she has just done this. And I'm watching her, and she's just chew, 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 chew. Finally, I could not take it anymore. I told her, you spit that out right now. She looked at me like, what did I do wrong? And that was my first cue that maybe I was missing something here. She spit it out. I started into her. I can't believe you did that. You know, we've had this conversation a million times, blah, blah, blah. I'm going on and on and on, being a real jerk about it. And she's not saying anything. The way she's looking at me is like kind of shock. She's looking at me kind of like she's shocked. And then that was the second thing. First of all, it was her immediate reaction to me calling her out about it. Then it was the fact that as I'm giving it to her, 
this thing that she should absolutely understand why I'm mad about and that I'm justified in being upset about she seems confused about and that's when it occurred to me that there has to be something I'm missing here so there was my big mistake was jumping straight into my angry response directed directly at her and because I realized that something was off I started asking her some questions I said honey first of all I'm only concerned about your well-being is the only reason why this is even an issue for me but I feel like I'm missing something here and now you know my voice has come way down at first it was elevated angry now I'm bringing it back down because I'm saying clearly I'm missing something here and as we talked I asked her a few questions um, why, why did you do that well she says you told me I had to eat the whole thing and that's when I realized that when I had told her she had to eat when she asked me I have to eat the whole albondiga the whole meatball what she literally in her young mind what 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 she was asking me was like you want me to stick this whole meatball in my mouth I have to eat the whole thing like all at once and what was my answer my answer was yes you need to eat the whole meatball and so now I'm answering her and what is she hearing I have to stick this whole meatball in my mouth when I realized that my anger completely went away now okay now now I've got context now I realize and it you know frankly I could completely understand her at her age misunderstanding the messaging that I was giving her my communication it was a miscommunication and she's upset now she her feelings are hurt because I started to get mad at her and she didn't immediately understand why can you imagine from her from her where she's sitting from her perspective I've just told her to do something she thinks she has followed my instructions to a T and it's even something she didn't want to do but she believes that she has followed my direction to a T and yet here I am still angry at her oh my heart broke my heart broke thinking about that from her perspective I I just did exactly what daddy asked me to do and now I'm in trouble for something and I, I'm, I'm confused I don't even know what's going on right now <laughs> all the while she got this enormous albondiga this meatball in her mouth that she barely fits in there and she's trying to chew that thing my heart broke my heart broke so we had a conversation there I, I explained to her uh, well first of all I started asking her questions like did you did you think I was saying this did you think I was saying you needed to, to put the whole meatball in your mouth yeah that's what I thought oh my goodness I said so then what did I do I said well well I gotta process for this for a minute honey and I thought about it and I 
I thought about how she must have felt, and do you know how I just described to her, to you, my audience, how I imagined that that made her feel and that confusion and everything. I said, did did it make you feel like this? I, I said, it, it must have been really confusing for you for me to tell you to put the thing in your mouth or to eat the whole thing, and then you feel like you're doing exactly what Daddy wants, and then you must have felt like this, and you must have felt like that. And she's saying, yes, Daddy, that's how I felt, and that's how I felt. And I felt like this, and my heart broke some more. So I told her I should have asked. I should have asked some questions. I should not have just jumped to the worst possible conclusion. That I made a mistake. And that she hadn't done anything wrong. I also told her that it's my desire to be the perfect parent that I love her so much that every time I make a mistake like that it I truly regret it and it truly hurts my feelings because I know it hurts her feelings and uh, if if I could avoid making any mistakes at all I would I assured her of that but I also assured her that that's never going to be possible and that I'm so grateful to her that she's patient with me She's forgiven of me and takes time to consider that I have her best interests in mind, even when I'm angry. So I took responsibility quickly. I was quick to, to consider that perhaps there was something I was overlooking. I, I listened to the cues I was getting from this little creature that I love, <laughs> the facial expression, the look of confusion. I used that to help me pause myself and try to get more context even though it seemed like a cut and dry case of just the same old same old this issue that we're always dealing with um, and um, and that's how it all worked out I f- was quick to forgive her she forgave me I assured her how much I love her uh, thanked her for being patient with me and forgiving me and understanding when I I get things wrong and uh, so that's how I handled that and now you've got the story of the big mistake I made in the last couple weeks as a parent and uh, what do you think I could do if I were unhealthy well I could use that to say look look what a crappy parent you are (laughs) but what I tell myself instead perfection is unattainable and I'm always going to make mistakes. How do I handle those mistakes? And by the way, you're doing a much leaps and bounds better job parenting than your parents ever did. And uh, the quality of your daughter's personality and her confidence and the way that she interacts with life is proof of it. And also our relationship, the way we're ready to bounce back from these little things so quickly and um, the underlying sense of contentment that I see my daughter living with and other people see her living with it's that underlying sense of contentment that says that a mistake here and there is is okay as long as I get the big things right 
and that that's what matters so there you go folks i i hope you enjoyed that and i hope it helps you in your um dealings with your own kids all right folks that's the show i really appreciate you guys spending some time with me this week i hope that the show has uh, been helpful for you uh there are a lot of really good solid points in here that uh I think that uh, if an honest-hearted person spent some time chewing over these things, could have some tremendous insights that uh, could be life-changing. So give it more than one watch or listen to as you wrap up this show. If the points made in the show were powerful for you. Take care of yourselves. Be good to yourselves. And... um, I hope to see you back here next week. Thanks again for watching or listening. Remember the blue? It was like it remembered me too. All the world I could see and the light I could be when you come back to me. to me.